Business Sidekick. Hello all, this is Justyna, content writer at LiveChat, a company that creates online live chat application for e-commerce. And this is Business Sidekick, a podcast helping to grow your online business. Today, my guest is Bill Masaitis, a tech industry expert, former Salesforce and Zendesk executive, who was hired as Slack's first chief marketing officer in 2014. We're discussing how to grow your business, about the most important metrics, about the importance of customer experience, and I couldn't resist it. I had to ask about the biggest mistakes and biggest successes. I hope you're curious enough, so here comes the chat. I hope you'll like it. Business Sidekick. All right. Hello, Bill. It's a great pleasure to have you in Business Sidekick, and thanks a lot for accepting my invitation. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Can you please tell our listeners something about yourself? You've been working on so many exciting projects. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I've been really fortunate. I've had the opportunity to work with some um, incredibly fast-growing SaaS startups. So I've, I worked with Salesforce uh, for about four years there as their SVP of marketing, uh, went on to Zendesk as their CMO and took them public. Uh, then went to Slack as a CMO slash CRO, uh, where I led marketing, sales, customer success, customer support. Um, and just recently, I've actually switched over to doing full-time board roles and advisor roles. So helping other startups kind of go through the same growth trajectories that I saw with those companies. Okay, so you currently offer your knowledge about the market, about the business and customer service. So please tell me, is there a secret recipe for success? <laughs> yeah, what is the secret recipe? Um, I don't know. That's a, that's, that's a pretty broad question there. But, um, you know, I, I, I think there, you know, one thing I found out over the years too, is there isn't one single you know playbook that works at every company you know what we did at salesforce was different than what we did at zendesk than what we did what was different at slack so i, I think all of them take a very customized approach and that's going to vary a little bit based on uh, the company the dynamics and kind of the market position the funny thing is that people think that there is one golden strategy that could help them to be successful but the truth is that if we copy someone's else's strategy it won't bring you spectacular results yeah i I think from like a a a tactic standpoint that certainly holds true if if maybe i'll 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 go on a ledger and contradict myself and maybe say if there was one thing i think applies to all companies is i'm i'm a very passionate believer in customer-centric companies so companies that really listen to their customers um companies that understand what their pain points are companies that track things like their net promoter score and run CSAT surveys and just have a really close pulse on the customer and just being obsessive about delighting them and going over and beyond. Um, and, and I think that's one truism that will stay no matter you know what company you're at. And, and that's going to make you successful. You know, I've never met a company that has really customers that absolutely love them that wasn't successful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, like from a tactic standpoint, yeah, like, you know, I did a ton of like SEO, you know, back in the 90s and early, you know, 2000s. And, and that was hugely successful. That was when I was more on the B2C side and I worked for like Fox Interactive Media and IGN. And we, we were like an empire of 175 million unique visitors. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to ask you about a couple of tips, but I see you already shared it. And um, you also mentioned NPS. And as far as I know, that's one of the most important metrics for you, is it? I'm a strong believer. So yeah, it's, it's uh, NPS is Net Promoter Score. And it basically asks your customers on a scale of one to 10, how likely they are to recommend you. Um, and there's also a very simple follow-up question, which asks why. 
And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, just asking that simple survey question to your um, to your customers allows you to understand, like, you know, what are the top three reasons that people are recommending you? And, you and what are the top yeah. three reasons they're not, right? And they're both really important to know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I was speaking recently with my colleague about NPS, and he said that it's something that works, for, works the best for enterprise companies because this score isn't really useful for small or medium businesses. Is it something you could agree with? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I might disagree a little bit with that. And, and, and let me say, like, NPS is an incredible signal. You know, it's not the be-all, end-all, you know, metric. And But I, I think it's one of the most important metrics out there. I, I think there's a lot of different philosophies on how to implement a net promoter score. Some companies will do the bare minimum and only survey 1% of their users and get statistically significant score in, in there. I'm, I lean towards a little bit more proactive, where you actually you want to know the NPS of every single one of your customers. And when I say even customers, I'll even break that down. So, like, for instance, at Slack, um, we had a customer, let's say, like, IBM was a customer of ours. You know, it's not just knowing what one person at IBM thinks, but knowing every single person that uses Slack at IBM thinks. So that allows you to understand what is the pulse, the health of the entire uh, account. It also helps you understand, like, hey, who are your best champions um, at IBM? You know, who really doesn't like you? And if maybe if the head of procurement doesn't like you, that, that's a warning flag, right? <laughs> or if you're filming a, a video case study and you know who is giving you a 10 out of 10 and they're just, you know, waxing poetically and how great you guys are, that's probably a good person to approach to get that testimonial. So um, I think that does apply to small companies too. Now, you could argue, I think NPS sometimes is a little bit more reactive on the features that customers want. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, like an iPhone, I don't think anybody through an NPS service that I, you know, I want to see an iPhone. So I think for your vision, you have to think a little further out. But I think for just listening to kind of the core issues that customers have with your product um, and being, you know, proactive and addressing them and having a great dialogue with your customers, it's, it's an incredible tool for that. Yes, definitely. Uh, but there are other ways you can make customer experience even more amazing. Yeah, I, it's a great point. You know, and I've always thought the brand is not just a logo or a slogan. You know, the brand is the sum of every single experience that someone has with your company. And, you know, when you think about that, that transcends teams and functions. You know, it's not just marketing that's influencing the brand. It's it's your sales team. It's your customer support team. It's your product. It's your trial. It's when they have to deal with someone in legal. You know, all those are little micro experiences. And are they having a great experience with your brand or a crappy experience with your brand? You know, and those add up. You know, at the end of the day, you're going to have a promoter that's out recommending you to 20 people or you're going to have a detractor saying, you know, never use this this company. So I think, you know, when you think about that overall experience, you just have to one step back and go like, look, this is every single team in the company, which is why actually I think like NPS is not necessarily a, uh, a marketing metric. I think it's a company metric. You know, that should be a company goal much like saying we want to hit X level of annual recurring revenue or we want to have this many users, like we want to have this NPS score. Um, now, at a micro level, I think you can get more feedback. So NPS is good for your overall, but what we like to do too is we would do CSAT surveys, so customer satisfaction surveys, at individual point in that user's life cycle. So for instance, um, one of the things we did, which I thought was pretty cool at Slack, was we did a survey after someone bought from us. So if you worked with a salesperson, we would, after you finished that engagement, we would go back and ask that 
you know, that buyer, like, hey, did you have a good experience with your salesperson? Were they responsive? Were they helpful? Did they, did they have a lot of domain expertise on the topics and the questions you were asking? And that allowed us to, you know, maybe counterbalance the traditional metrics that you would comp a, a salesperson on just being on, you know, pipeline and ARR and deals closed with like, hey, are they living up to the values we want? You know, we want them to have a good experience too. Uh, we don't want you to oversell people. We don't want you to promise features that don't exist. Uh, so I, I think like really you can embed that experience in every single function uh, of a company. But everything starts from people, right? And you, you cannot send dozens of surveys just to check if your department is doing a great job. So how to manage people, how to make them understand that their behavior towards customers should be always top notch? I think, you know, it, it starts off in a couple of ways. And you said it right too. You have to be a little careful not going survey crazy. Nobody wants a thousand emails. Uh, so the couple of things I recommend there is one, when you do a survey, make it really short. I mean, it's one of the reasons I like NPS. It's two questions, right? It's not a 40 question questionnaire. Um, the second is like we would put in rules so no one would get more than one survey over six months. Um, that would help limit it. Uh, and then the third is I, I think you know you can be very prescriptive in when you send those surveys. In other words, like throughout the life cycle and just think about really importantly where you want to get it. Now, at the end of the day, you're right, it's people. And I, I do like metrics to incentivize people for the right behavior. But at the end of the day, too, I think you really have to think about what are your company's core values? You know, have you gone through that exercise where you've articulated, here are the three values of our company. And what we would do a lot, you know, at Zendesk and at Slack is we would hire people off those values. A, a lot of our interview questions were actually trying to tease out, you know, did you hit the values? So for instance, at Slack, we had a value of empathy and we would try to understand, you know, is this person, could they put themselves in our customer's shoes? And and it's little things like during an interview process, you know, do, do they open the door, you know, do they ask if you need some more water or, you know, just are, are they thinking about the other people? And, and that was a value that was really important to us. I think it's, it's one of the things I always recommend um, to the clients I work with is a B2B brand, you know, can have a personality and it should have a personality. You know, you want to think about, The voice, the tone, you want to have fun. You know, most B2B applications are crap, right? They were built by giant enterprises. They're on-prem. You know, they're painful. They take six months to, to, to learn how to use. And you have this whole new wave of SaaS applications coming out that are, you know, that are consumer grade. They're easy to use. They're fun. And, and it's one of the most important things. I, I think a lot of companies have this debate. They go, oh, we're moving up market. Or we're selling to businesses, we can't, you know, we can't, our, our brand can't be funny or it can't have a personality, like no one will, and, and it's, it's something I can emphatically say that's not true. <laughs> I, I have sold to the largest enterprises in the world with brands that have personality, you know, uh, Zendesk, we, we had booty for a while, that was great, you know, um, at Salesforce, we had Sassy, kind of a mascot, you know, at Slack, you know, we, we just, we tried to infuse that brand, that personality, that tone, um, into everything we did. And now all that being said, that's hard, right? You have to think about, you know, what is your tone? You articulate it. You have to train people. You have to certify people. And again, if you believe the brand is some of every single experience, you're not just certifying and training your marketing team. You're training your customer support team, your sales team. Um, you're infusing that brand into the product. So you're talking to product people on how to infuse that in. So it, it is tougher to do, but I think it creates a, a much greater affinity with, uh, with your overall brand when you do it. But we're also talking here about content marketing. That's also something that's very important for branding, right? Yeah, I, uh, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, of content marketing, you know, and, and I think you have to do content marketing in the right way, though. You know, there are 
sometimes you you run into a company who tries to do content marketing, but it's just brochureware. <laughs> it's just you know a glossy pamphlet telling uh, you know prospect why their company's awesome. And to me, that's not content marketing. You know, content marketing is about when you understand the pain points of your customers, and you're and you're talking about those, you know, and you're giving them helpful information, and you're guiding them, and you're educating them, and, and you're not putting a hard sell on them, you know. And, and essentially, what you're doing is you're building up trust with them. You know, you're building a relationship. You know, I would give the example of on the B two C side, if you were out buying a new TV, right, and you're like, whoa, like there's this. 4K out and LED and LCD and you know I I don't know where to start. You know you 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 start researching and you're going to look for information that helps you know educate you and understand you. And sometimes some retailers are really good at, at giving that information out and guiding you through. And when you're ready to make the decision, a lot of times you're like, okay, I, I trust this brand. I'm going to go with them. Um, trust this retailer because they've helped me out. And I think the same is true in B2B. You know, a lot of people when I worked at Zendesk, for example. Um, one of our most popular articles, which got us literally like a hundred thousand, you know, views uh, per month, was an article just on, you know, questions, interview questions to ask when you're hiring a customer um, support agent. And and you got to understand, like in the customer support space, a lot of times, you know, you get promoted up. You are now a manager. You're hiring a team, and you've never interviewed someone before in your life. <laughs> you're like, what, what questions do I ask, right? And, and so, you know, they search, they they find Zendesk. You know, they read that, they start to see all these other articles that we have, like, hey, how to manage a virtual team, which metrics to use. They develop a relationship, and then at some point, you know, that customer support manager. Maybe they can. Maybe they try out Zendesk and they bring it into their organization, or maybe they then go to another company and recommend Zendesk. And so, you know, co- content marketing is basically just a way of saying, like, you know, do good by your customer. It's kind of like that whole customer-centric philosophy. You know, help them out. Like, be on their side. You know, put yourselves in their shoes. What pain points do they have, and and help them. And you know, it's Slack. We did. Um, we kind of took it one step further as opposed to just traditional content marketing, which is usually like writing articles and having resource. We did podcasts and it was incredibly successful. You know, we had millions and millions of views and we got our cost per listen down so low. It was almost like I think five or six cents per listen. And this is where people are listening for 20 minutes, a half an hour and developing a brand, developing a relationship um, with your company. So I think content marketing can be incredibly successful for, um, for different startups out there. Also, you need to measure it somehow. I'm not talking about content marketing only, but about marketing in general. So can you share a couple of metrics that are important for you? Sure. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, at a high level, um, when you think about content marketing or even brand, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of measuring uh, the brand metrics. So aided recall, unaided recall, sentiment, sure voice, sure conversation. Those are all really good metrics that help you understand, you know, is, is your company's name out there? You know, do people even know about you? And, and that's an issue too, because a lot of times when you're a startup, you're in maybe a city that's surrounded by other startups, and people know you. You know, like when I first started at Slack, everybody in San Francisco seemed to know about us, and every and you can kind of it's like you drink too much Kool Aid. You're like, oh, everybody knows about us. We're great. And then I'll fly out to the East Coast and I'll speak at a conference, and no one knows about you, right? So you have to understand, like, hey, you know, go into the eyes wide open that not everyone's going to know about you, and and part of a goal of. Um, you know, marketing in general is to help get the word out. Um, but also sentiment's important. So not only just do people know about you, but what is their perception of you? You know, are you very favorable? Or are you unfavorable? That's really important. Um, like I mentioned before, I'm big on, on things like net promoter score, CSAT. 
of course, if you're in SaaS, you're going to have all your traditional SaaS metrics, um, your CAC, your payback, you know, your efficiency. Um, there's a lot of good ones there. But at the end of the day, like I said, I lean more towards long-term thinking, you know, helping companies build categories, um, you know, not just to get into 5 million ARR, but 10 million, 100 million, a billion in ARR. And to do that, you really have to have long-term thinking. And I think sometimes marketing teams get a little too short-sighted. If they're only obsessed with just getting leads in the door, they're not really thinking about the entire life cycle of that customer. They're not thinking about the experiences. And not only that, if you're just focused on leads, you can do some really bad things to customers. You can gate every single piece of content you have. You can, the very first experience with your brand is a landing page. I call it the prison landing page, right? You click on an SEM ad, you go to that, you can't get out of it. The only thing you do is fill out all your information, 17 fields. You know, you're gonna get called before you even find out what this company is. It's just a bad experience. So I I think, you know, long-term metrics that incentivize good customer-centric behavior, those, those are my favorite. So basically, what you would suggest to make your overall customer experience even more awesome? Is there a checklist of the most important stuff? I think, you know, the, probably the biggest things I could say is, um, one, have organizational alignment around it. So one thing that helps, like I said, when I was at Slack is uh, by having me or having a leader in charge of all the customer facing team. So support, success, sales, marketing, it did allow us to have a unified goal, you know, providing a great experience um, and having hard metrics behind that, that incentivize the team, that team's compensation was based off of. I think that's really important. I think as we talked about earlier, the values, hiring people, that fit those values of what you're going after. So if you're customer centric, you know, having a, a value like a courtesy or an empathy, that that helps, you know. Now, every company is different, you know, and you're going to have to, you know, decide what your own values are. Um, that's really important. Um, and, and the last thing is, 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 like we said earlier, just recognize that, you know, that brand is the sum of every single experience. You have to be obsessive about every single team, every single interaction, measuring it, understanding, is, is it positive, is it negative? Have those feedback loops in place so you're constantly getting um, inputs and signals from your customers. You know, it's it's like one of my one of my heroes is uh, Jeff Bezos at Amazon. And I mean, I mean, talk about an incredible guy. I mean, came from the investment <laughs> field side of the house, but he's just obsessed with customers, you know? And, and, and I think, you know, he, I mean, he has a great quote on just- But he's also said to be a really bad boss. Well, <laughs> I can't comment on that. I, I don't know. I've, I've never worked at Amazon, okay. um, but uh, but I, I do. <laughs> but I do like the idea. So I'll give you one last um, example there. Like he talks a lot about at Amazon, they have inputs and outputs. So a lot of companies will come out and say, "Well, what's our goal for this year? Our goal is to hit you know a billion in revenue." And and what Amazon does, they don't do that. They don't say we have a goal around revenue because basically what he says is revenue is an output of what you do. The inputs for Amazon, for instance, are lower prices and better product depth and breadth, you know, and faster shipping times. Like those are all inputs. So those like goals to improve all those and the output then that comes out of that is more revenue. But I see too many companies that just say, our goal for the year is just to hit this revenue. And and they're not really talking about the inputs or, or the customer type of inputs that, that focus on the customer experience. So that's just a, uh, a, a lesson I always thought was a, a great point there. Oh, yes. Knowing your customer journey is really important. Okay, I'll be having a last question. I'm wondering what was your biggest problem you've been able to resolve thanks to your, you know, marketing superpowers. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you something that did not work. This is, this is a funny story. So we were at Salesforce 
Um, I was at Salesforce and I've been there a couple of years and we put in some pretty sophisticated, you know, marketing technology stack that allow us to analyze our conversion path, our flow. You know, we had a good feedback loop with customers. And around the time, you know, we were thinking about our high level positioning and what should we go out with? And, you know, working with, you know, Mark and the team. And we had this idea of this vision of, you know, Salesforce is the, you know, the social enterprise. It was all about social and mobile and the world switching over from email to, to messaging and, and, and just this idea behind that. And so we put on the homepage, you know, Salesforce, you know, the social enterprise. And, and it was great. And, and like the press loved that message, you know, um, the analysts loved that message. But the issue was our conversion rates really started dropping. Oh. <laughs> and, and and so we started talking to people, you know, coming to the homepage. And we're like, you know, what happened? And we're doing session recordings and a lot of surveys. And basically, like, everyone thought, or at least, like, just the average prospect that was coming to the site was like, oh, I thought you sold, you know, software to nonprofits. Like, that's what you did. (laughs) Social enterprise, right? Um, So that was a good example sometimes of, I think, on positioning. A lot of times you can go a little too far out there. You know, I've often heard companies describe themselves. You know, they're the next generation platform for disrupting this vertical and they'll talk to you for a minute and after you're like I have no idea what you do (laughs) and sometimes you just got to use like really common language um, and wording that they understand and that they're going to go and take the next step because at the end of the day you know your product incredibly well but you got to put yourselves again in the shoes of a prospect who's just he's never heard of you he's going to your website he has maybe like he's going to spend six seconds on that page and if he doesn't understand what it is he's going to bounce and go somewhere else exactly I agree and uh what about your biggest success? Biggest success uh, for me, you know, it's just I, I've been really fortunate. You know, for me, I have so much fun watching companies scale and grow. And, you know, I, I've been fortunate. I've had about five exits and just helping companies get to the point to where they can make those next milestone leaps from, you know, going from 10 million to 100 million or 100 million to a billion or Salesforce, like a billion to three billion. Like those are all so much fun to me. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I, I love. Like a good making to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's fun to see these companies scale, but like I said, I, I get really personally rewarded when I think that a lot of the products and services out there, especially for SaaS, like it's just it's making the world better. It's, it's a better place. You're helping people out with really core pain points, um, and, and that's very gratifying to me. And, and when you can implement a go-to-market strategy that's based on the customer, you know, good things happen. Um, so that, that that's been some of the things that I've been you know most proud of over the years. All right, thank you very much. And the last thing I'd like to ask you. Can you please say a couple of words of encouragement for small and medium businesses owners that listen to this podcast? You can absolutely do it. The, the, there's never been a time in history where the cards have been so stacked in your favor. Like the small business... The reason I, I love small businesses, my wife runs a small business, it's it's because the voice of the customer has never been stronger. If you have a great product, a great solution, a great service, the word is going to get out there. Um, you know, I often look at like marketing is the fuel to the fire. You know, if you can like create that spark, you can apply the marketing to help get the word out. But there's never been a, a better time where the voice of the customer has been more powerful. And, and with SaaS, your, your entrance, your barriers to entry are, are completely lowered. You know, you can you have access is so much great software to run your business where you can just focus on your core competency. So um, I'm just, I'm super optimistic. I think, you know, SaaS is an iceberg 
of of companies out there. And I, I talk and I, I talk to so many companies now. Every single vertical, you're having these incredible solutions coming out. And I'm just so optimistic on it. So, you know, stay with it. You know, you can definitely do it. Every year there are, you know, dozens and dozens of companies that are going to be billion-dollar companies down the road. Um, and just know that, you know, you've got a lot of people that are rooting for you. All right. Thank you very much, Bill. That was fun. Good deal. Well, thanks again so much for having me on here. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Business Sidekick. All right, that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Bill as much as I did. If you want to listen to other interesting interviews, visit our website livechatinc.com slash podcast or subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. Stay tuned as in two weeks I'm going to publish another awesome interview. All the best. Take care. This podcast was brought to you by Lifetime. Lifetime. Lifetime.